I want to begin and read a few scriptures here. In John chapter 1, very familiar portion of scripture. Genesis 1.1, we know it says that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And in John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And he was in the beginning with God, meaning Christ, talking about Jesus. And this is what I want to show you here in particular. All things were made, the King James says, by him. New King James says, through him. It, it's either one is fine. Uh, the word through there is a preposition. It means the channel of. All things were made through him. And without him, nothing was made that was made. And in Colossians, let me read this. This is Colossians 1.16. For by him, all things were created that are in heaven and are in the earth. All things were created through him and for him. And it's talking specifically, of course, we know this, about Jesus because the previous verse talks about the invisible God, that he um, uh, was uh, portraying the invisible God. So it says here, all things were made through Christ and for him, for him. Now in Isaiah, turn to Isaiah 44. Isaiah 44, verse 6. Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel... And his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am first and I am the last. Besides me, there is no God or no other. So not that beside me is no other beside me, but the word there means except or apart from me, there is no other. And you see this in Isaiah in particular, that particular thought. Isaiah 45 Verse 12, I have made the earth and created man on it. I, my hands, stretched out the heavens, and all their host I have commanded. And then down in verse, um, let's see, where is it here? Verse 18, for thus says the Lord who created the heavens. Now we know these things. You know, we know what Genesis says, but I'm going to make a point here in a minute. Who created the heavens, who is God, who formed the earth and made it, who has established it, who did not create it in vain, who formed it uh, to be inhabited. I am the Lord and there is none other or no other. So you see this repeated in um, the Amplified. I have this verse 18. For thus says the Lord who created the heavens, God himself who formed the earth and made it, who established it, and did not create it to be a worthless waste. He formed it to be inhabited. And then he says, I am the Lord and there is no one else. And, and one more set of scriptures here before we continue. In Proverbs chapter 8. Now in Proverbs 8... What you see, and as a matter of fact, you see this even be much before this, uh, leading up to this. 
but what you see is the personification of wisdom. And what that means is Solomon takes wisdom and personalizes it, personification. It's like a person. And he talks like that in uh, the early parts of the book. And in verse 22, the Lord possessed me, meaning wisdom, at the beginning of his way, before his works of old. I have been established from everlasting, from the beginning before there was ever an, an earth. Before there was ever an earth. See, what, what, what do we relate to? We can relate to this earth and what we see. And, of course, what we know. But he, he's talking about something before that. Wisdom being with God. Verse 24. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no fountains abounding with water. Before the mountains were settled, before the hills, I was brought forth. While as yet he, made, he not, had not made the earth or the fields or the primal dust of the earth, when he prepared the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above, when he strengthened the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limit so that the waters would not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him as a master craftsman, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him, rejoicing in the inhabited world, and my delight was with the sons of men. This past week, when Linda and I came home, we were on vacation, some of you know, and we went out west, and I had no idea, I felt to go some time ago, and I had no idea uh, what I was going to experience out there. And of course, you know, you just go and you do certain things, and we visited some of the parks, and we were by ourselves, and we went on this walk, went on this hike, and she doesn't know this because it, I'll, I'll get to that in a minute, but um, we climbed up on this mesa, and we're going up very high, and we get partial, partially up there and stopped, and then we kept on going, and we got to the top, and, and she went down the path, and she was taking some pictures with my phone because there was some, it was a very dry and arid place, and there were some flowers growing there. She's taking pictures of them a ways away from me. And I, I turned and I walked over because I was, was we're on a path. I walked over about, oh, maybe 15, 20 yards. And I looked up and I saw something that I never saw before. And, you know, we know things in the Bible, and I read the Psalms, and they make certain statements like, like the scriptures we read. And when I looked up, as far as you could see, there was this extreme, beautiful scenery. Every direction you looked, it was different. 
So when you looked in one direction, you saw one thing. When you looked in another direction, you saw something completely different. And when you looked in another direction, you saw something different again. And I started crying. I was just kind of really overwhelmed at God, how big he is, how vast he is. And I, I, I mean, we know that in our mind. And, um, you know, you, you fly, like I've gone on the mission field several times. I went over Europe. I flew across the country a couple times. And I've been in different places. But this was something quite different. And maybe it was just that place, that time, for me personally, that I saw this, and it, like the Lord just showed me that he is much, much bigger than I thought. He's much bigger than me in my life. He's bigger than our, our little world. You know, you know how we are, we, we, we do what we do, we go to work or whatever we do, it's our little world. And I was able to see something far beyond that. And I actually, a couple days later when I came home, and that happened last week. So when I came home a couple days ago, I went on the Hubble Hubble site. I don't know if you've ever seen the Hubble. The Hubble um, Space Telescope, they put in orbit like tw over 25 years ago. And I haven't been on that site for years. I, I was on it a couple different times just looking at pictures. And I was looking at this one, and it, it looked like a frisbee standing on the end. It's called the Spiral Galaxy. They, they, they set this telescope out in space so that it would not be affected by the atmosphere and the lights of the world and everything. And then they point it in different directions, and then they take certain pictures, and certain pictures they, they uh, put on the site. And I was looking at this one nebula, and they believe neb a nebula is a gas and dust in space. I don't know how the scientists, you know, figure that out. I don't know. But anyway, they had this one there, and it had three, they're talking about a vast area of space. It had three columns. Looked like they were circular columns. And I was reading about it, and it said that as they looked at that, I guess they can zoom that thing in, that, that telescope. When they were looking at it, they used uh, infrared or far infrared. They were able to penetrate some areas of it. They could see behind vast amount of stars. And as they're looking at this, they, they saw stars hanging in these uh, columns. They look like columns. And I was thinking, you know, going along with what I just said, that God is so vast and so big. So, I mean, we read the scriptures. And thank the Lord we have a relationship with him. But he is so far above, and he is so vast. And sometimes we want to take him and bring him down to a level and see him in a way, and of course, I understand that, see him in this, you know, you're right here 
That's, that's it. That's you. That's all, all there is. And not see beyond that. I remember this one individual who was a Christian that I know and um, talking to him. And I remember this was a long time ago. And I was thinking, have you, have you ever run to somebody like this? You're, you're talking to them. And their thinking was so different than mine. Now, as far as certain things in the Bible, certain doctrinal things, they were the same. But just the way the person looked at things and saw things and even would see things from the scriptures, I thought, this can't be right. And the Lord reminded me that, and one of the things that I saw is that even though God created the heavens and the earth, I saw this diversity from place to place, and sometimes even in the same place, I saw this diversity around me. So how can this be? And in, in my heart, I'm, I'm saying, Lord, you are diverse. And I thought back about this individual, and I thought, you know, he was so different than me, but yet he serves the Lord, he walks with the Lord, but he just sees things quite differently with certain things. And before, I used to kind of reject that. I thought, well, I leave room to see things a little different. And I'm not talking about basic Bible truth. I'm talking about other things. And God is not limited to what I think and what I perceive and what I believe. He's not limited to my doctrinal view of the scriptures. We say God's not limited to denomination. That's true. He isn't. Some people believe that God is limited to their denomination. That's, that's a way of thinking with many people. God is bigger than our lives. God is bigger than our church. God is bigger than the churches that are out there. God is very vast. And he does a lot of different things in a lot of different places that we are not privy to and that we don't see. So I'm, I'm thinking about this, and I'm looking, and I'm saying, Lord, I have never, and I've been a Christian years, I have never seen you in this vastness before. And I, I can't explain it, but I mean... Uh, I, I read these different scriptures, and I'm, I'm looking at them now, and I'm saying, gee, I've read these before. And it never had the impact on my life and in my heart like it did this past couple weeks. In Isaiah 40, verse 12, who has measured the water in the hollow of his hand. This is referring to God. He, he takes the hollow of his hand. And he's measured the water. 
Do you know how much water there is in the world? The ocean, what they say, the, the, um, the earth is two-thirds water? He measures it in his hand. Now, I don't believe that necessarily is meaning that a literal thing. But I believe it's portraying that God is much bigger than we think. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, measured heaven with a span. You know what a span is? A span is the distance between your finger and your, your thumb. That was a, a, a measurement back in, in the Bible, you know, years ago. Uh, you know, how some, I think that they think it's somewhere around nine inches. So God, what does it say here? God measured the heavens with a span. <laughs> so there it is. And here is man using all this technology putting spacecraft out there and putting telescopes out there and, and they're looking in all these different directions and finding clusters of stars they never knew existed because you couldn't even see them from the Earth with, a, with the most powerful telescope. And they're finding nebula and galaxies and all these different things. And, and God said, that doesn't impress the Lord. I mean, he knows all about this. It's just man doesn't. And he measured it with the span and calculated the dust of the earth in a measure. You ever been to the ocean and grabbed a handful of sand and let it go and then there's just a little bit in your hand? I did this a long time ago because, you know, you read the scriptures about, you know, the sand. He knows the sand, the hairs on your head in the sand and the sea. And I had some sand there and I was sitting there, you know, nothing better to do. I was sitting around anyway. And I'm counting these little grains of sand in my hand. Now, I didn't tell anybody I was doing that because they thought I was really <laughs> kind of, you know, off. And, and I got to a very high number, and there was just a little bit of sand in my hand. So it says there, he calculated the dust or the sand of the earth in a measure. He weighed the mountains in scales. And the hills in a balance. Now that, I, don't, I don't even understand what that even means. You see some of the mountains and the hills, and God is bigger than that, much bigger. He measured that. He created it to be, He created the earth to be inhabited by man. Job, it says of Job, the Lord says to him, Where were you when I laid the foundations? Of the earth, tell me. If you have understanding, tell me. Who determined its measure or its measurements? I mean, it says, surely you know, or who stretched the line upon it, or the tape measure, the line? Who stretched the line upon it? And then this part here is really interesting. He says, and what were its foundations fastened? To what was, was the earth fastened when he created it? He asked Job, can you tell me? Not that today, scientists would probably have some explanation. Well, not all science is, is wrong and bad. It's those who use science in unbelief. That's different. Because there are some, I've heard people who are scientists, and they see God, they see the creation, they see 
this vastness of God in science or through science. And who laid its, its cornerstone, it says. Now remember in, um, in Isaiah 6, Isaiah says, And I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his garment filled the temple. You know, we always look at the lower part, the other part where it says, lower down, um, where he says, you know, he takes the coal and lays it on his lips. And he says, who will go for us? He says, Lord, here am I, send me. But remember, before that, Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up. So that seems to be the main pivotal thing there in that chapter that everything flows out from. I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up. Um, Ezekiel sees the Lord on the throne. John sees the Lord on the throne. And John, who who was given this by Jesus, the revelation of Jesus Christ given to my servant John. John, who pens that and writes that, he has seen something that we have not seen. Unless there is some revelation you know, of the throne of God for us, somewhere along the line in our life, you know, we read it, we can believe it, but as far as, you know, seeing it like John did, or to some degree, many times these things are, are lost to us. Just like in the first chapter of 1 John, you read that, and John is speaking from a place that, that most people have no un- understanding of until, you know, they're brought into certain things and they're able to see certain things. So... In, um, let's turn to Psalm 102. I taught Exodus just recently here. And there's part of a scripture here in Exodus where God says, There is none like me in all the earth. Now, he tells that to Moses. He says, Moses, you are not God. There is none like me in all the earth. And the context there is, I'm going to be the one who sends the plagues into Egypt. So he wants Moses to know this. There's none like me. And in Psalm 102, verse 25. Now, the, what I saw out there, people see all the time. There are people who travel the world. They go to different sites in the world. Uh, People go to different mountain ranges and, you know, all these different things. And I believe the purpose, or one of the purposes, let me say it that way, of, of creating this great beauty in the world is not just seeing it, but Seeing it, seeing past it, to the one 
who created it. So there are people, like when we were out there in, in some of the parks, I mean, there's people every, everywhere in certain places, and, you know, they're, you know, seeing this, seeing that, taking pictures. And it was, there were certain things that were incredibly awesome. I mean, I've never seen anything like it. But the Lord, and I didn't know this was going to happen when we went up on, on this mesa. But in my heart, as we're going around, it was, Lord, I, I just, I, this is unbelievable that you created these things. I have never seen your creation in, like this. I've never seen anything like this. And so that was in my heart. And I kept on saying, this is unbelievable. This is crazy. <laughs> this is crazy. It was so... But the focus is not just the creation. So for, for most people, or a lot of people, it is. But the Lord wants to bring something. See, let's read this here. This is Psalm 102. Because remember, the, the creation is only a reflection of God. It's only a reflection of the glory of God. And you see this in the Psalms when they say certain things about creation. Uh, verse 25. Of old you laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. You see how the psalmist says this? They are the work of your hands. It's not just, oh, this is, look at Mother Nature made, or that just it's just beautiful. But he says that they are the work of of your hands. They will perish, but you will endure. Yes, they will all grow old like a garment, like a cloak. You will change them, and they will be changed. So, the beauty in creation, one of the purposes is to take the heart to God, so that the individual, if possible, will see the glory of God in creation. And um, we went on some paths and uh, did some hiking and some trails. And it, it was just crazy because you're going along. There's no, you, you don't see, in some places you see no water. And then you turn and there you see these flowers growing. So how, how are these flowers able to even grow? It's like really strange. And so Linda's off taking a picture. She's all, you know, caught up with these flowers. And, and it's just like, this is really something. And let me say this. The Lord is really something. He is really something. He is really good. Yes, they will all grow old like a garment, the creation, the heavens, the earth. Like a cloak, you will change them, and they will be changed. So that which men spend, some people spend all their lives, you know, out and doing and looking at creation and never seeing the God of creation, like the one scientist who went, uh, I think it was in Africa, and she spent 40 years living with monkeys. I can't remember what, was it chimpanzees, I think it was. Forty years of her life she spent out there. 
you know, learning about them, documenting them, and all this. And I believe she never saw the Lord, the God of creation. So all that always brings us, should always bring us back to him. What we see should lead us back to him. In Hebrews, I realized how small I was. (laughs) And you know, I mean, we know we're small. But the strange thing is, even though we are so small compared to the Lord, he still loves us and he still uh, will take time to uh, deal with us in our life. Help us, touch us, whatever is needed. And, you know, is as vast and as big as God is, I mean, he could just go do his own thing, but he doesn't do that. You know, he cares for his creation. And he makes sure at the right time these, these flowers that are going to die get water. I, 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 don't, I don't understand. I, mean, I guess the Lord, you know, he does what he does. He puts things in motion and he does certain things. But in Hebrews chapter 1, Verse 1, God, who at sundry or various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. Not just this world, but the worlds, the planets, all these things. Who, meaning Jesus, being in the brightness of his glory, the glory of the Father, and the express image or the character of his person, and upholding or bearing or carrying all things by the word of his power. And then he talks about what he did. You know, he purged out the sin and sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Verse 10. And you, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundation of the earth. So you see this throughout the scripture. They, they, I, I believe that a lot of the, the Old Testament prophets and kings and whoever, like David, Probably, I was thinking about this, probably because they didn't have as much distraction as we have today in our lives. Not just us, I'm talking about people in general. They enjoyed and saw creation, and they saw the God of creation and attributed this, this is your creation. You have done this. And that amplified in their life and in their heart how they viewed God. And Lord, in the beginning you laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, 
but you remain. And they will all grow old like a garment, like a cloak. You will fold them up. This is a quote from what we read before. And they will be changed. But you are the same. And your years will not fail. You know, we're all getting older. You know, you, you, you do this, you do that. You have this, I don't know, maybe some of you don't have ache, some aches and pains or some things here and there that bother you. Or your foot, your hand, or whatever. Your back. You know, we're growing old, and, you know, we're going to pass off the scene. But he says here, you know, you don't change. You're the same, and your years will not fail. But to which of the angels has he ever said, sit in my hand? And he goes on. In chapter 3, Hebrews 3, verse 3. For this one has been counted, meaning Jesus, worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who built the house has more honor than the house. For every house is built by someone, but he who builds all things is God. Referring to Jesus and the work of God in every, every way. In man, in creation, everything. In... Um, I'll read this in Colossians. I have this in two translations, I think. And he is before all things. Now remember, in the epistles, you have to look and read. This is referring to Jesus again. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. I think that means be held together. Another translation says... He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. I don't even understand that. But the Lord, or the, the power of his word, however that is, he holds everything together. You know, I, I'm not a scientist, but every once in a while, I like to watch some documentaries, and they tell you how the, the universe is held together, or how... You know, matter is held together, and they talk about um, carbon and what have you, and then they show you the string and chains of these things and, and how they link together and so on. And they say it's this that holds the solid object together, but they don't understand that it isn't that. What holds that together? If, if carbon's a, a main thing, what holds that together? See, the Bible says that it's Jesus before all things, and in him all things are held together. I don't understand it. I mean, something as simple as gravity, we take it for granted it was discovered, but gravity is not seen by the, the natural eye, but yet gravity holds us to the floor here. See, so... So somehow, uh, by the Spirit of God, Jesus, by his word, by his being, however, that um, projected out from him, however that is, I don't know, holds everything together. That's why everything, that's why 
I guess a rock is a rock, a tree is a tree, and all, all that is the way it is because it's held together in a certain way by the Lord called creation. So I always thought that whenever God created the earth, like we see in Genesis, that there is, that's it. That he, you know, just pretty much there it is. But yet, he's still active. According to Hebrews and Colossians, he is still active, even though it's created. He's active in holding it all together. Now, I don't understand it. I see that, that that's what the Bible says, but I don't, I don't understand it because God is vast. He's far beyond. And in, um, in John 17, uh, Jesus says, he's praying and he says that uh, the Father, that, that give him the glory that um, he had with the Father before the world began, before the world was created. Uh, again, you know, Jesus and the Father being very, very vast. Uh, in Ephesians, let's turn there. You can turn to Ephesians 3. And I'll read from chapter 1. Which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and, and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet, meaning Jesus. In chapter 3, verse 9. And to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery which is from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ. Uh, for the intent, verse 10. To the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church. So, and then he goes on in verse 11, he talks about this eternal purpose, which, which is salvation. That Jesus brought salvation to man. So I, I don't know if I'm going to ever see the Lord the same. I mean, I hope that this doesn't wear off. I, I'm, I'm praying that that which... It just kind of opened up, and then I saw, for me personally, uh, will continue so that I don't get so tied up and focused on my little world uh, that I don't know and don't understand that God is much bigger than that, that, that he is so much bigger than our problems, our difficulties, all that. He, he is just much bigger. In, uh, you don't have to turn there. Turn to Revelation 20. <clears throat> this is a, a verse from 1 Corinthians 8, 6. It says, this is Paul saying this to the Corinthians. He says, yet for us there is one God, the the Father, of whom are all things, and we for him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom are all things, and through whom we live. So Paul ties that whole thing together. Uh, and you see certain places where he writes this, 
and, and he's, he, all this that's created you know, by the Father was created through Jesus Christ. And then he ties all that together when he says that through whom are all things and through whom we live. So now it's all tied together, see. And in Revelation, before we read this verse in closing, uh, in, in John, Jesus is dealing with uh, the Pharisees. I think it was, I think it was Pharisees, uh, the religious leaders. And he says, I am from above and you are from beneath. Now, of course, in the context, he's talking to those who were sinners. They, they, they were not believers. They were uh, entrenched in Judaism, and that which the law was to produce in their life never, never, never took place. So Jesus said, you know, you are from beneath. But just to think, just for a second, I was thinking that, you know, even related to us Christians, he says, I am from above, you are from beneath. We are lower, much lower than Jesus. See, that's, that's why it says in the New Testament, do not think more highly of yourself than you ought. See, because God is much, much higher. And sometimes, you know, we think we're something. And, you know, God puts, puts things in perspective. You are what you are. We are what we are in him. Now, I'm not, you know, demeaning that. But I'm trying to draw this contrast that God is much, much higher. Jesus said, I am from above. And remember, even those the, the disciples, when they walked with Jesus, they didn't understand a lot. Later on, they understood more. But when they understood, they had this heart that, you know, you are worthy. You are the one. You are high and lifted up, not me. You are. And you see this in the writings of Paul. You see it in the writings of Peter. You see it in the writings of John. Always pointing to the Lord. Always. And in Revelation chapter 20, John has this great revelation uh, and, and writes these things down. Now, I often thought, what was he thinking when he started to write some of these things? You know, what he, what he was seeing. I wonder if he wanted to, you know, be more, like, like I like to do things in detail, you know, be more detailed. Now, my, my brother-in-law, I never met a person as, as organized as him. I mean, he is so organized when it comes to anything. And it makes me look really bad. <laughs> But I was thinking, you know, when John was penning, just for example, John, when he's penning Revelation, is he thinking, well, maybe I should, you know, when I'm saying this, maybe I should put this in more detail. Or Paul, when he writes the epistles, maybe I should put this in more detail and, and explain what I'm really saying here. But he just, you know, he, he puts it puts it there and, he, he pens what he feels the Lord is showing him to pen, and then, you know, the, the Holy Spirit has to fill in the blank, so to speak, for us, for who? 
but, but John saw the Lord. Just like we saw with Isaiah, I, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up and the train of his garment filled the temple. In Revelation 20, verse 11, you see John. This is, this is you know, some of the people that we ran into and even met out there. We met this one couple. Just brief, very briefly, people were friendly to stop and talk to you, you know. And she was very excited about something that they saw, and she pulled her phone out, and she was showing all. And it, the, the pictures were, were really, really nice. But, you know, you can't do certain things, but, you know, you just like say, you know, do you know the God of creation? Do you know who created this? Oh, the wind and the rain and the water created this. Well, yeah, in the natural, um, you know, that's true. But do you know and do you see past creation to him, the one who has created all things? And, and John makes this statement here, writes this down, and it's, it's pretty amazing to think about it when you, when you look at, you know, the world. Uh, you know, you go out to a park. You know, you see a stream. You know, wh wherever you go, you see, you know, God's creation and how wonderful it is and how beautiful it is. And w what's God going to do with that? It says it here, but, you know, I, I, sometimes I think about things. I, I don't know, maybe I'm a little strange. I don't know. But you, you look at modern science, and they, they examine the body, and they've learned a lot about the body and about how the body functions and the DNA structure, all that. And they say that the body is a magnificent specimen of creation. You, you cut yourself, it begins to heal. You know, all these different things that the body does. And, and God sp was, spent his time, and it was very meticulous in creating man. And yet, that body, that creation, every day goes into the grave. As wonderful as it is, it goes into the grave. So God has something even better in store. But John sees this, and he says in verse 11, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat on it, from who the face of the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. Now that's, that's a scripture. I have no idea exactly what that means. But compared to the majesty, the vastness, the awesomeness, the glory of God, it says here that there was no, found no place for the heaven and the earth, for all that is in creation. It's not good. It's, it's like it's fine. It means nothing anymore. And then we know that God's going to purge it someday by fire. But yet today, you know, with creation, um, with the beauty of a flower, you know, with the beauty of a sunset, you know, that is all going to pass away. And God is going to bring 
on the scene something much, much better. Uh, that which he is going to create for man. That which he has for each person, you know, to whatever degree that may be, you know, as they serve the Lord. Uh, but even though we see these things, they are to do one thing. And that is to take our heart to the Lord. To bring our focus and our attention somehow back to Jesus who holds all things together. Amen.